Something New is supported by listeners like you. Visit joelbnew.com and click support to help us continue to grow, thrive, and be a part of the creative conversation. This is Joel B. New, and you're listening to Something New, my chance to talk with some of the savviest theater professionals in the industry, to hear their stories, and get to the heart of what makes them the working, multifaceted artists they have come to be. Hello, dear listeners. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 3 of Something New. How's everybody doing? Everyone enjoying their their day? Uh, I am recording this opening monologue on Sunday morning. It is still morning, technically. Enjoying my coffee um, with chocolate creamer, as I know you're all always wondering and guessing. I am so excited for this episode, you guys. I can't believe how quickly this season has already moved along. Like, we're on the third episode? What? I'm having a blast. I hope you're having a blast listening. In an effort to engage my listeners a little more and to do some of that interactive thing that I hear is so popular with the kids these days, um, I've been asking for listener questions on all of the social media platforms, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I don't do Snapchat yet. Please, someone explain that to me. I've been asking... For questions. I don't know if that's ironic to be asking for questions, um, but I'm doing it. And as an extra incentive to get you guys uh, a type-in, we are doing a giveaway where one lucky person who has asked a question is going to get an official Something New podcast mug shipped to them. And, like, this is a mug series that I reserve especially for my guests. Um, It's a really, really special object, and you could be the proud owner of a brand new something new mug uh, just by asking a question. We'll throw your name into a hat, and yeah, there probably will be a real hat, and um, you can ask questions now through June 9th, and every time you um, ask a legitimate question, you'll be re-entered into this drawing, and um, yeah, so that's through June 9th, 2017. My friend Lisa from Alaska, hi Lisa, she asked me, um, what's your favorite voice type to write for? That is a great question. I would say, I think what's, I'm going to kind of answer this question. I think my favorite, the easiest voice type for me to write for is my own. Um, I feel that if it's going to come from a super authentic place, that it, then it needs to then I need to be able to sing it first, and um, and then we kind of take things from there. So we'll ch- I'll change keys, I'll change uh, melody options. I think that me and altos really get along because we live pretty much in the same um, octave. My friend Suzanne writes, and she asks, uh, she says, Just have to say we love Cabot Cove. Aw, thanks, Suzanne. Uh, any more to come? And that's a great question, too. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm really enjoying the positive responses that people are, are uh, that I've been getting from Cabot Cove. I would be interested in writing more. I mean, you know, Jessica Fletcher wrote 40-plus novels on that show, which means there could very well be 40-plus songs inspired by that series. Uh, so it all just kind of depends on uh, my schedule. And honestly, right now, I'm just still trying to plug and promote Cabot Cove, the songs that have been exist that exist and have been produced, 
Um, so, I mean, like, if that keeps going well um, and gaining momentum, then, yeah, I don't see why there couldn't or shouldn't be a Cabot Cove Volume 2. So we'll see. Stay tuned. See, guys, it's so easy to ask questions. So make sure that you're following me and tweeting me and commenting. Ask those questions. Get your name in the drawing. And who knows, maybe this time in June or July, you'll be listening to this opening monologue, drinking out of your very own Something New mug. Today's episode interview is with me and two of the stars of Significant Other, which is now playing on Broadway. Uh, Their names are Sass Goldberg and Luke Smith. They are awesome people, awesome performers. It's a terrific show. It just opened. Uh, When I was interviewing them, they were still in previews, like they were running off to a rehearsal right after the interview. Hollywood Reporter says that it's fresh and surprisingly affecting. Totally agree. Daily News says that it's hilarious and heart-tugging. The Observer says, I doubt if there is anyone who is unable to relate profoundly to the characters in this play. You don't get this kind of acting every night in the theater, and you don't get plays as rapt and poignant as Significant Other every day. It's a rare and magical evening. Well, there you go, guys. I mean, that's that's as good as it gets, and I could not agree more. So I, and after you hear more about these two awesome people who are appearing in this seven-person cast. It's a great ensemble show. You will run, not walk, to telecharge.com and get your tickets to Significant Other. I have no doubt you will have a wonderful evening. Stay tuned for the next installment of New Corner at the halfway point of today's episode. My New Corner guest is Grace McLean from Season 3, now appearing in Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812 on Broadway. After the interview, don't forget to stick around and listen to the brand new song that I've written for my dear friend Jason Pintar. It is fun. Okay, and without further ado, here is episode 503 with Sass Goldberg and Luke Smith, now appearing in Significant Other on Broadway. I am sitting here in the beautiful Mary Rogers room at the Dramatist Guild with uh, with Sass Goldberg and Luke Smith. How are you guys doing? We're great. Very yeah. good. How are you doing? I'm great. Just had a nice three day weekend, um, which which I imagine day. you guys did not. We did not. No. no, we had a nice day off yesterday. One day. Oh, that's one right. Day right. Yeah, you have the Mondays off. Yeah. Very nice. Yes. Very nice. <laughs> um, so I found out about you guys. I saw the I got had the privilege of seeing the second preview of Significant Other, which you're both appearing in on Broadway right now, and I loved it. It was Thank you. so special. I went with like my best gal pal and we just um that was a that was a very palpable audience. I don't know if you guys remember the second preview. They've, like, they've kind of all, so far, knock on wood, they've uh, all been really um responsive. I would imagine so, yeah. Like there was just so much laughing and crying and like almost like watching tv you know like it, it, it feels it, very sitcom it, it does yeah no, no in like in, in like the best way possible yeah. where people are like i feel like they're shouting at the screen sometimes they are <laughs> yeah, it's very it, sometimes, it's very yeah. interactive yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> particularly the top of act two it feels like everyone's involved Absolutely. yes yeah. yes <laughs> without giving too much away no no no, no, no. Mm-hmm. so i'm gonna ask some questions for both of you some individually but you know feel free to hop in whenever you want Great, great. First, huge thanks to Alana Karpoff at Jeffrey Richards Associates. Uh, I reached out to her back in January saying, hey, I'm looking for people. And she's like, I know two awesome people. Thanks, Alana. <laughs> and, um, Thank you. So that was, that was a very nice hookup. So who are you and like, what's your background? Like, How did you 
get here? Like you, I know you went to Michigan and you went to. I went to two schools. I went yeah. to North Carolina. I graduated from North Carolina School of the Arts, but I went to NYU for two years before that. Oh, nice. um, NYU, I was pursuing a bachelor of music, and uh, North Carolina was the BFA in acting. Terrific. How did you get here, Lou? How did I get here? Yeah. No, let me tell you. <laughs> um, so I'm. Fr- I grew up in Annapolis, Maryland. Um, and my parents now live in D.C., um, which has a thriving theater community in itself. Um, but uh, I got here because of NYU um, first, um, and I was a music theater actor or a singer. Actually, even backing up before that, before I was anything, I was a musician. Like, I played piano when I was five and picked up a guitar when I was ten and then played in jazz band, played drums, guitar, piano, uh, bass and sang all throughout all the you know jazz choir in high school and so I did musicals in theater but was definitely not confident at the time to be an actor so I decided to pursue a singing uh, major that's how I went to, ended up at NYU um, and ironically those classes I loved the most at music school were the acting classes so I, I left uh, kind of against my own wills uh, after my sophomore year took a year to figure out what I wanted to do and that uh, led me to North Carolina School of the Arts, um, where the focus is mainly acting, and well, all acting, really, and uh, now that's kind of led me to New York. I've been here for six years, almost six years, and uh, been working pretty regularly, but uh, because of the music stuff, that's kind of, I, I have a couple bands where I write and perform in, I teach music lessons, you know, between gigs and stuff, and you know, that's all been really fulfilling. I can talk about that further on if you want, but that's kind of the, that's the nutshell. Um, I am from, born and bred in Manhattan from here, so I didn't get here. I was I was put here, um, <laughs> and uh, I was always I was always into theater. I went to the high school performing arts, LaGuardia. I went to you know I did um, a program called Applause on the weekends. I went to Stage Door Manor during the summer, and then I went to the University of Michigan because I really wanted like a completely different experience from Manhattan. I wanted football games and cheerleaders and pom-poms and frat parties and the whole thing. I wanted the experience. So I went to Michigan. I, st- I got a BFA in theater there. And then I came back. And uh, at first, I really wasn't working very much when I graduated. And I think I'm, I'm – I know I'm really specific – there's not many character roles for, like, a young person. So I kind of um, battled against that for a while. And uh, in the meantime, I helped uh, teach, and I was I managed a children's musical theater program in Manhattan called Applause. So that kind of kept me really creatively fulfilled for a long time. And then when I was about – I'm 31 now – but when I was about 26, a friend of mine who I went to school with came to me and said, do you want to write a movie together? And I was like, I don't – know how to write so I mean like I took creative writing classes in college but I'm not really a writer and he said do you want to write together and I said I don't really know what I'm doing he said neither do I we'll figure it out together and we wrote a feature film together that ended up being sold eventually Um, and that was kind of the first experience of that's when kind of everything changed I don't know if everything actually changed but it felt like it changed for me because I felt like part of the conversation in a way I hadn't been before, starting to write my own material. And around that same time, I had gone in for a play called Bad Jews, written by um, Joshua Harmon. I didn't get it, but I was in love with the play, and I was in love with this playwright and the way he wrote. It kind of felt like – I felt like he was writing for me. And he wrote me on Facebook like two weeks after that audition and was like, um, I know it didn't go your way, but I have a new play I'm working on. It's really long right now. Would you ever read it with some friends of mine like in a, in a theater company? And I was like, sure. And I read it, and that was 2012. 
Um, and I had been it was, at that point. It was called something different, but it was the it was the start of this play. Wow! So it was it's crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. Uh, when did you get involved with Significant? Uh, much later, 2015, I guess. When we, right when it was off Broadway, I had a uh, call in for an audition on a Thursday. I went on went in Friday, and I found out that night that I was <laughs> going to be involved with it, which was not usually how it goes. Oh, I didn't know it went that quickly. It went really quickly. Yeah, I, and I I think it was kind of almost an afterthought that that part you know I thought I think there was somebody else in mind or something and that's so the story goes and then I came in and changed the mind <laughs> changed it up yeah um that but um yeah so it's it was like the most fortunate circumstances and kind of a lesson and you never know when the opportunity is going to come just always be prepared for it and you know here here we are now so and you're both making your Broadway debut. We are. Which is so exciting. Yeah, I, I always get very, th- when I see that on Playbill, I'm like, oh, I, I somehow like root for you even more. Oh, thank <laughs> you. We're the two making our acting debut in this play. Yes. That's really cool. But yes. Tripp and Josh are also making their debuts as right. well. Gotcha. It's gotcha. pretty, it's, it's quite an honor to be making a debut yes. with those two, you know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Just some questions about the play, if that's okay. Sure. Um, how do its themes resonate with you as you are the ages of the characters that you're playing. Um, are either of you are either of you attached or married in real life? Sure. Yeah, attached. Uh, yeah. I have a girlfriend of uh, six months. You have a. I'm married. Of, nice. Yeah. I've oh. been my husband for ten years. We've been married for three and a half. Wow. And so, as you've seen the play evolve over a couple of I years, I actually weirdly got engaged the week before I did the first reading. Oh, I and didn't I, know that. Oh, yeah. And I remember showing up there like so, you know, it was like I was so into wearing my ring. And um, <laughs> I got there and I heard the play and like very slowly I turned my diamond ring around. And I was like, oh, my God. I, you know, it just really – the play, what I think Josh does that's genius is he like flips something on its head. So you'll start one way and you're rooting for something. And then I'll have like a – argument or I'll have he'll kind of lay out both cases and you can see both perspectives which I think is so nice that he doesn't just show one person's perspective and there's a particular scene in the play which I feel like both people are right Mm -hmm. in their own way I know what scene you're talking about I think and I'm I agree 100% which is like you know it's it's a weird thing because usually you're with one character but in that scene you're kind of with both yeah um and so when I, I feel like the thing that this play kind of resonates with everyone is a loneliness, which I think is something that we all can experience, um, and also that weird feeling of when you are all, when your friends start to go, for, when, you, when you're, that age of when you go from like kids to adults, and it's like a really weird, non-tangible age, and it's hard to explain what happens when like, that French, when everyone hung out every weekend, and everyone did everything every weekend, and slowly that starts to kind of fade, and you don't, it doesn't happen really kind of quickly, it, it happens over time, mm-hmm. and this kind of play Right, it, it, it's it's about that moment. To piggyback on that idea, I, I'm experiencing that in my own life. I mean, the friends that I was with in college, you know, they still are all in New York, and you know, you're used to understanding them in the world where you hang out with them every weekend. But then life happens, and that is no longer possible. And kind of having to calibrate yourself with that, you know, and and not interpreting it as as a, as a friendship dwindling, but just changing over time. And you know, it can be easier or harder depending on the people and the, depending on who you are and who you're interacting with. You know, yeah. no, it's a great play. It definitely makes you feel less alone in like this. Oh, good, well, that's good. That's good that you're and, saying that. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. like I um I recently got engaged. Oh, uh, that's all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you. And uh, he and I are getting married in October, and so like everything is like wedding 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 right. and so to watch this play which i you know i, I did some light research but i kind of like going in blind right. you know without any 
preconceived notions yeah, or judgments. Totally. Mm-hmm. And, um, and my friend Liz and I are still like talking about it. And we talk about moments and as we're planning things and everyone's, she has to like shake me. She's like, Joel, you are not that character. Right. <laughs> I think there's, there's so many people who get engaged and they kind of like lose their mind a little bit. And I think, you know, we all, like as someone who went through a wedding, like there were things that seemed so important and then they were over and truly nobody cared. Like, you know what I mean? If I, I spent hours pining over that invitation and literally everyone opened it and threw it in the garbage. Right, right. That's literally what happened to it. So then when yeah. you think about it, you're like, why did I spend so much time doing that? Yeah. Like with proofs going back and forth, changing fonts. Like nobody cares. No. Right. Yeah. Not, can they read it? Great. Right. Cool. Yeah. Do they know where to go? Yeah. Significant other in many – like I said, like it, it feels like you're watching a movie. Um, the dialogue is very natural and quick. Um does it feel that way up there too? Like, are you guys very aware, or are you very aware of that audience? I mean, it's a bit of both. Like, it, it definitely the experience goes by very quickly. The play is like it starts and it feels like it's over in a minute. You know, and I think part of it is you know the the way it's written and actually having the audience there kind of lift us throughout. That's been my experience with this preview. You know, it's like we 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 did it off broadway and then had a year and a half in between and we're back in the rehearsal room and you know understand it re getting reacclimated with the play in the room but then when we were reintroduced the audience is like oh my god i forgot they're such a huge partner in in this experience you know there, there's a give and take with them and i think we're still learning what that is and and also because it's it's still fresh it just it just propels you through it. I don't know if that answers the question, but they, I guess they are, they're a part of it, you know, yeah, yeah. for sure. I do think the play um, is written, it is really quick. It's like, it's, and it does span the course of a few years, which is unusual. Um, and it right. goes to like, I don't even know how many, loca- how many locations do we go to in the play? I've never thought of it. I mean, like 20? Yes, around 15, there. 15, I don't know. Like we, we're in, so like the set has to really kind of, be all these places. It has to be a sidewalk. It has to be a office. It has to be an apartment. Um, and Mark Wendland, the set designer, has done an incredible job mm-hmm. of kind of making all those moments happen, which I think is a really difficult task. But the one thing is because it does move so fast, but there are a lot of laughs in it, hopefully, if yeah. we're doing our job, right. um, it, it's interesting to feel that timing of it. Because when we rehearsed it, like, you know, we're just kind of whipping through it. Right. And now we have to give – there's sometimes that Josh writes so many jokes that you, as the audience, you are missing, like, a great joke because you're laughing at a joke that was good but not even as good as the one that's about to come up. <laughs> so, like, and we know that as – like, you know, we're like, don't laugh here. Like, right. Laugh here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Luke, you play three different characters. I do. And yeah. – um, and, and they're all so distinct. Um, I'm, I was very, very impressed. Um, so, like, you're, like, you're essentially like wearing three different hats in the show. Pretty much, yeah. Um, when you do more than one thing to be artistically fulfilled and make a living, like teaching music and writing songs and acting, like, do you ever feel like there are different versions of yourself? <laughs> yes, when you put it that way, and it's kind of, you know, the my. Uh, approach to this whole thing in the five and a half years I've been doing it, which is, I mean, it's a little while, but not not, not that long, really. Uh, they, I, there are no absolutes, you know, and so I've kind of just been following whatever uh, avenues open itself to me. And I think, you know, when you're talking about, you know, either playing in a band or playing three different characters or teaching, all these experiences kind of open yourself up to different dimensions of yourself and make you a more complete person, you know, and that's kind of always been my my end game you know that I had certainly a successful career whatever that means is is part of the thing but I, that 
definition continues to evolve as I get older. Um, and so, you know, I actually, I've been the, for the past year, the majority of my income has been teaching kids like, uh, five, six years old or some, maybe 10, you know, it's in that range. I teach private piano and, uh, guitar lessons. And, uh, in teaching them, I think it almost made me a better actor because some of the lessons, like, you have to be patient, you know, it's not going to happen right now, you know, like, just take one moment at a time, just like, oh, I should apply that to my process, because I'm, like, so hard on myself often in rehearsals or in performances, and, you know, that, I, I think if I had only said, I'm only here to be an actor and can't do anything else, I wouldn't have opened myself up to that lesson in teaching these kids. Sass, do you, have, do you feel similarly when you're doing writing, producing, um, your neon sign company, which we're going to get to. Yes, please. Yes. Um, yeah, I do think that all, like, I'm a big character observer. I love watching people. I remember as, like, a little girl, like, some of my earliest memories were going to a bagel store on First Avenue with my dad in the 60s, and we would sit on the bench, and he taught me how to people watch. And I remember that being, like, an activity that we would do. Like, rather than being, like, go to the park, it was, like, we're going to go get bagels and people watch. And I was, like, five or six. I can't, like, I really remember that. And so, so from a very young age, I like to watch people and how and what they did, which is, I think, why I like to play kind of people who are far from me. Mm. Um, even though there's so much in me that's kiki, but like not so, you know what I mean? She did not that much, but I do find parts of her are, are myself, but I love playing people. I like playing kind of people that are larger than life. Um, and I think that kind of started with growing up in New York city and watching like the, you know, the people that exist here are kind of, they don't exist anywhere else. Yeah, I can't imagine yeah. growing up here. It's overwhelming, the stimulus. I can't imagine not growing up here. Yeah, I mean. It's... Yeah. Like, I, you know, like, that's, to me, it's, like, the it's the greatest place to grow up, and it's also the greatest place to retire, because, like, you can do everything. Like, I always think right. of older people. Like, you have such freedom here, rather than, like, wait for somebody to take you in a car somewhere or whatever it is. Like, you can, just by going outside on the street, there's activities, you know, even it's like if it's sitting in Lincoln Center and watching people swing dance on, you know, like, mm-hmm. there's always something. Going to some drum circle in Harlem. I mean, there's always something. Watching people rollerblade in Central Park. Like, there's just, there's always a free activity. Seth, what is Name Glow? Oh, what is Name Glow? Um, so, I am an actor and a writer um, and a producer, but I also happen to own, co-own a neon design studio. Um, what is that, you ask? So, we do customized neon signs and LED neon signs. And how I got involved with it is about three years ago, my nephew was born, and I wanted to get him like a great, he was, um, I wanted to give him a great baby gift. And I wanted to give him something that he could have for a long time. And I was like, I should make him a neon sign of his name. I Googled neon New York City, thinking like a gajillion things would come up. Cut to like the only thing that came up were weird HTML websites that looked like they were made in 1982 with so much like text and like a size eight font. I couldn't read it. There was a number in the bottom of the page. I would call, speak to somebody who was in New Jersey or somewhere in Brooklyn, and I didn't feel like they totally got, like, I didn't think it was going to be a collaborative experience, nor did I think they were going to get this, like, modern look that I wanted to. I was nervous that I was going to turn out looking like a Budweiser sign. And so I had, because I went to, yeah, I grew up in New York. I have a lot of friends who are artists, visual artists. My friend happened to have neon in her home. And I contacted her saying, would you ever want to make this for me? I have a very clear idea of what I want it to look like, but I don't know if it's possible in neon. I don't know the first thing about neon. And when I called these other places, they were quoting me like $4,000, $5,000. And I had no idea if that's normal. I didn't know. I had nothing. You know what I mean? I kind of needed like neon for idiots, which I was. Um, and my friend uh, made it for me. And then when I picked 
picked it up. It looked incredible. And I was like, I am telling you right now, this is a business. Like neon that is accessible and digestible to the masses and public and kind of a way to walk somebody through neon, um, bringing neon into people's homes in a modern way and in a feminine way because mostly everyone I spoke to was male. And she contacted me about two or three weeks later and she's like – would you ever want to partner? Like, I could do this, but I don't know who this would be sold to. Like, she didn't get, like, the clientele. And um, I love sales. And I was like, yeah. And so we started we, – like, we started the formation of it about three years ago, but we launched in April of 2016. So in this April, it will be a year. And I, I – it is it – is, it is uh, It is a full-time job. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You said you love sales. Where does that come from? Love sales. Uh, so I used to work at this company called Applause, and I really was at, into it. I like talking to people. I, I like um, making things happen. And so I think that's where it comes from. Like I do think in another world I would have loved to be an agent or a manager or in PR or a wedding planner. <laughs> just everything. You can be yeah, I just like I like I like doing things. I'm yeah. not good at sitting on my hands, which is like a blessing and a curse. What is the difference between like there's neon signs and, and LED. LED. Oh, great question. So neon is made <laughs> out of <laughs> Were you aware of all this the, the uh, neon yes, signs? I mean, okay, yeah, I've, yeah. I've heard uh, bits and pieces. But I'm when I did the show last time, no. it hadn't opened yet. Right. And I think everyone was like, "Yeah, Saz is opening no, a neon we got studio." This email, like, we're like, "You're doing a neon? What is it? What are you doing?" <laughs> I think everyone thought I was joking when I sent an email. I was like, "I've opened up a neon design studio." And they're like, you've done what now? <laughs> and I was like, you'll just wait. Just you see. Yeah. Um, actually, the neon there is a neon in the theater that I did. Yes. That's one of my questions. Okay, so booth at the booth. That's is our that's name glows. That's awesome. Thanks. Yeah. So if you ever come to de- go downstairs and you could take uh, pictures in our photo booth, and I did uh, me and my partner Lena did the neon, um, and it's name glow without a W, so name and then G L O. Uh, and so neon is glass that's been bent and then it's filled with gas to light up, which is something I didn't know. I thought oh. neon was like mm. a bulb, but it's not at all. So that's why like you don't dim it and things like that. Yeah. And that's the um, – so that's what neon is. And then LED neon, we happen to be the only people in the U.S. doing this particular method oh, right now. Cool. Oh, yeah. Oh, cool. uh, so LED neon is made out of flexible LED lights that's encased in like a, a – plastic casing um so we always say that neon is great for like something really permanent uh your home your office a restaurant uh, if you want a statement piece in your foyer or something like that led neon is great for like a pop-up event weddings bat mitzvahs or something where you want to like cart to different um if you're doing like a pop-up shop here or you're part of the brooklyn flea and you need something something more mobile exactly or for kids bedrooms because it isn't glass and it doesn't get hot and it's very durable so yeah, I went through the website. I found it super easy and fun. Oh, thank I you. I went all the way through the end until, you know, and now check out. Because I, like, I got all the bells and whistles and I got, like, the biggest sign and, like, had it all designed. Yes. And I was like, oh, this was easy. Yeah, and you could type in your own thing and see what it costs. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was really, really easy tool to use. Oh, thanks. You hear that, Lena? You thought the website was easy. <laughs> Who are your typical clients? Uh you know, originally we started thinking that we were going to do a lot of, like, kids' rooms because that's how it started. I, that's why it was called Name Glow because we thought we were going to do a lot of names for people. Um, that is not – I would say we have no typical clients. We are working – we work with bloggers. We work with restaurants. We work with people in Utah. Like, I mean, I, I think because we are so accessible, people would rather speak to us because we're going to walk you through the process in a way that – you don't feel stupid because I had to go through the same process myself and explain it to you and also give you the real deal. Like if you're going to want something that is – if you, I'll know quickly if you want a neon sign and you want to spend $400 and you want it to be 50 inches, like not going to happen for you. 
So, like, I will tell you that really early so that you don't walk through this process thinking that, like, delusions of grandeur. So I think people um, appreciate that. And I do not think we have any typical clients. And we don't only work in New York. We also have a studio in that we work with in LA too and then we've now worked in Boston and Seattle and Portland and Utah and uh we're we're going I mean we're we've almost we're doing something in Massachusetts I just said Boston already so that doesn't matter but you know Illinois great yeah well, who cares about many no 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 I didn't know, I didn't know um I didn't know I wanted a neon sign until I went to name glow that's the whole point I'm serious <laughs> like like because you go through the process and you're like I could see my name. Well, like, you're literally making your name in lights. Or, well, I'm getting one for my dressing go. room right now. Nice. Yeah. Very, very nice. Yeah, it's coming next week. I'm so excited. Oh, man. I got to get, get on it for ours. Yeah. I don't know what we're going to do. No, it says, let's have a kiki. Nice. How have you been? I've been good. Yeah, busy. Doing this uh, thing. Yeah, just a little bit. Making the Broadway debut. As as oh best God. I How, can. I'm sure you're doing it with finesse and grace. Uh, See what uh, I did there? Uh, 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 I loved it. <laughs> oh, oh dear. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, um, so, so I'm talking to Grace McLean, ladies and gentlemen, who was, Hello. you were on the third season of my podcast back oh. in 2015. Oh my gosh, so long ago. I know, I know. We were kids then. Oh, what did we know? We were bright eyed, <laughs> full of hope. <laughs> we were, look and now, now. now look at us, just jaded. <laughs> so you're, so you're in the new production, the Ars Nova production of Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of is it 1812? That's right. Yeah, on the Broadway. Congratulations. Right. Thank you. How has that whole thing been? Because like, you've been with the you were you were with the piece previously, correct? I was. Yeah, I did it off Broadway in Casino, which is the tent they built for us in the Meatpacking District, and then uh, later uptown, actually right next door to the Imperial Theater where we are now. It's been a really interesting journey to see us go from uh, you know a, a sort of found space into a theater space uh, that is we've uh, really converted and made our own. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but it's, it's really unrecognizable in there. You're working on some Grace McLean and some apples. Oh, yes, indeed. Stuff. Is that right? That's yeah, tell true, me. You've got a yeah. show coming up at Rockwood. Yeah, on Monday, March 13th, 7 p.m. at Rockwood Music Hall. Uh, we've got a show. Uh-huh. Uh, Pretty fun. I do some of my my favorite tunes. I just find it really um, important for me to keep up my own work outside of the show, just to keep all sides of my brain and body um, exercised. So, yeah, so, so you've got the Rockwood show. show coming up. Yeah, that's going to be with me and my band, um, and we're just going to do some stuff from our canon uh, to keep ourselves. Sweet. Will you be doing any looping? Oh, yeah. All looping. That's not true. Mostly, yeah. mostly looping. Yeah. Oh, that's so uh, good. So good. How she's doing it. Yeah, I don't so know if cool. you've... Yeah. I think I have. Yeah, you must have seen some of my journal songs that I've done in the past. Oh, yes. That's the... I, I've got... I, I really... I think I want to make, like, a series out of that. I've got two good ones. I've got three, but one of them... Eh, it's all right. I want to make, like, a little journal EP or something, because 
I think I think they're so fun. Oh my god. You absolutely should. <laughs> yeah, I think I will. Something. Yeah, so, yeah, maybe I'll do that this year. <laughs> I'll just add another thing to the toilet. Why not? <laughs> just throw it on. You can do it. Well, this is the year of just f***ing do it. I try to name my year. That's right. Yeah, and uh, that's a this good is one. Year, this is just do it. The full thing stop pussyfooting around <laughs> and just do it. Well, I'm just so happy for you. I'm congratulations oh, on making you, your Broadway debut. It's about damn time. Oh, thanks, it out. Joel. <laughs> You're so yeah, nice. well, I'm a huge fan, and um, I can't wait to see Natasha Pierre, and I can't wait to um, see your Rockwood show. Do you have a, like a discount code or anything? No, it's just ten dollars. It's $10, but I'm going to donate Excellent. all the, the proceeds to Planned Parenthood. So if that's the thing that's interesting to you, then you should come. That is amazing. That is amazing. Good music yeah, is right? Exactly. I'm going to let you go. It is late. I'm going to let you go to bed. I'm going to go to bed. <sighs> yeah. Man, I'm going to take a bath. I'm going to put some Epsom salt in that bath. I'm going to eat the rest of my Thai food. That sounds good. Get one of those. I'm going to snuggle with my oh, boo. In the bath. Wait, Thai food in the bath? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. I, I won't judge. I, I, I've I done it before. <laughs> I've eaten second dinner yeah, in the no. bath before. Luxurious. <laughs> 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 like oh, that is the life. That's the life of a Broadway actor. Exactly. That's what it really is. <laughs> it's eating second dinners <laughs> in a bath. How has Name Glow influenced or impacted your career as an actor? I don't know if it's it, I don't know necessarily if it's impacted it as you know if it's gotten me roles or things like that. It is a great conversation starter sure. um, because I think it's uh, surprising to people. I think people are surprised that like to balance two totally different things. And it's also – I feel really – it's a creative sort of job. So it keeps that kind of muscle constantly being used even when I'm not doing other things. And it also makes you faster. Uh, you know, I'm not somebody – I like – I like being – I like – my mind's in like a thousand places at one time. Like if you look – you can't see me right now, but I have two humongous bags filled with like my computer, a different pair of shoes, hair extensions, three sweaters back there because from here I'll go to somewhere else and then I'll go back to the theater. Like that's kind of how I operate. I think some people would be like that's exhausting, but I, I – I, that's the spectrum I run on. Luke, this is so random. I saw you and hit the wall. Oh, you did? Yeah. Do you know you know Laura Brando? Yeah. Dear friend of mine. Oh, okay. yeah, she directs a lot of my stuff. Yeah, okay, great. So um, so I was familiar with you, and I read the bio, and I was like, oh, hit the wall. Nice. I just, I totally saw that. Yeah. So well, but I, I, I Very was, different. Yes. Yeah, very, di- sorry. Very just, different than yes, Significant Other, yes, I would yes. say. Yes, There's a, yeah, a little bit more uh, nudity. And, yes. and hit the wall. Were you nude? I was full. But yeah, so I was I was an understudy for five tracks, three actors and two musicians. And uh, one weekend, I was supposed to go on Thursday through Sunday for the keyboard player. And that Thursday, the actor who I cover, who does uh, get full on nude, had to go out. He got really really sick, and so I had to step in for him. And it was the weekend that, like, my entire family was coming because they knew I was coming. You know, I was, like, making my off-Broadway debut playing keyboard, but actually I was making my off-Broadway debut streaking in the middle of a protest scene. And the stage manager gave me the option to uh, 
to just do in my underwear, but I was like, no way. I mean, it's not what, How what's written. How often do you need to do this? Uh, well, yeah. I didn't really, th- I don't know if I thought of it that way. It was very thrilling. <laughs> um, but yeah, I loved that play. And Would you get naked again? Sure. Yeah, I don't care. Cool I mean, he is. Look know, at this guy. Yeah, whatever. I mean, you know. I guess. Well, you know, let me take it back. It depends on what it is. I, like, Watch we, all the offers after this yeah. podcast coming. <laughs> like we heard. It's on record. Um, you know, the I don't know. Like if I'm like standing in nude, that's like fine. It's like a type of costume, I guess. But, you know, just what you're doing in the nude, though, might make me more uncomfortable. There's no way to segue into this, but you, uh, you're also a songwriter. Yeah. And you make up half of a band called Awning. I do. Right? With John Sheldrick. Yes. And uh, John is, he's actually, uh, he's, he's my best friend from NY, the NYU days. We used to play in a band called Lack of Knowledge. Um, and that was, and then we, I went to North Carolina and, we started writing kind of uh, whenever I would come back and visit uh, over Christmas and things. And he's a really talented programmer. Like he takes uh, audio samples and, and you know, cuts and splices them and stuff. And that's kind of where Awning came to be. We're kind of like, uh, we call it Folktronica. It's like, uh, uh, it's Simon and Garfunkel with a beat. Ooh. Kind of. That's a really good that, word for it. That's yeah. a great way to, I love Simon and Garfunkel. I know, and I love beats. You know? <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we, we haven't played lately as much because he actually is a, has a big job at a company called Vimeo. You might have heard of it. Uh, and, and so, and I, you know, I've been, you know, I was on the road for like 10 months and come back and now I'm doing this, but we, we write still. We have a e- little EP that we're going to release soon and, we have a full-length album that we pressed the vinyl a couple of years ago that was a really big... It's called um, Two Against Me. Two Against Me, yeah. Awning.bandcamp.com. Um, that we're really very proud of that you know, was we recorded with our friend Jeff, who is now uh, about to work with my other band that, uh, called Shirley House that I, I'm in with my brother, uh, who I live with and have lived with for five years. Um, that band has about 15 people in it. It's... Uh, they're... Four backup singers. There are four members in the band, uh, and dancers, like three or four dancers, depending on the day. And um, that's kind of like a house, soul, tribal gospel party vibe. And uh, we've been playing the McKittrick Hotel a lot, um, which is really really fun. Um, But uh, yeah, we're, we're gonna we play like almost every other Sunday there. So. When you have these different bands, um, are they satisfying different musical itches, or why why choose to play with different bands? Well, I think simply just because when people ask me, I say yes. You know, like if I, unless I'm doing something else that uh, keeps me in the way from it. But uh, you know, I, I think similar to what Sass is saying about the creative itch that Name Glow provides, like you know, with these bands, you know, they kind of offer an opportunity to have creative control. You know, as an actor, you don't always have that. You, you know, once you get the part, you know, you have influence. But, like, what parts you get vary and can, you know, just depend on whether you're right and when, what's, what's happening that season and stuff. And so when you have – when I have these bands where I'm, I'm writing and making creative choices, it's like I, I have some, something – I have control over something. And uh, I'm, I'm – flexing my creative muscle and you know they're they vary in style and it's making me a better musician hopefully and you know but i mean i i 
those are kind of the that's not what I'm thinking about when I decide to get into it I'm just like I like to play music and yeah, I like yeah, to play yeah. with my friends and happens that you know people like to hear it sometimes so that's really that's that's great you know you kind of find the reasons later like- yeah exactly yeah you know it's kind of with with acting like you kind of do the scene and then afterwards you're like oh yeah that moment was like really you know was, you know lifts up this part of this what the playwright's trying to say and you know those parts are important but you can't really think about it too much yeah. before you go into it I no think. I know when I'm writing a musical and someone says like oh this moment isn't it about this and they mention some theme and i just go yes exactly yes it is (laughs) i'm brilliant thank you thank you no more questions please um how do you find your sounds because i listened to two against me last night oh did you i did i did and i was i i was really taken aback like i didn't i didn't know what i was getting into you never know when sure when when yeah, your You're friends ask you, band. like, hey, listen like, to my music. You're like, okay, exactly, I hope it's good. Exactly. Yeah. And, like, I don't know, a lot of, like, musical theater and theater people who, I think, enter the singer-songwriter world, like, you can kind of still hear their theater roots. Yeah. Um, but I didn't. Right. I mean, they're probably buried in there somewhere. But, sure. like, I was just... I was just really surprised, like, in the best way. Like, oh. So, like, how do you find those sounds? And, like, and and what are your what are your songs about? Yeah. You know? So that album, right? And they and lyrically, they are all about a specific uh, time in my life that were it was uh, was hard. But I don't. I I was it was on purpose to not make it specific because I think it's uh, better if it's more accessible to anybody. It can mean what what you want it to mean, you know. Um, But that album, you know. What John and I would often do is kind of sit with two acoustic guitars to kind of figure out a chord progression and then record it. And a lot of the sound manipulation, I have to give credit to John. He just, like, he could hear something and, like, split it up into pieces and either speed it up or slow it down, add filters or add reverb, add delay and stuff, and all of a sudden it becomes something else, really. So, you know, there's a... A song, uh, the second track called "Blue." You know that it starts with just like a like a do do thing and beat. Like that's that was a vocal take of me saying the word "blue" that he completely changed on his head and, and made it sound like some kind of synth. You know, so the album is pretty much all just you know live recordings of acoustic instruments made to sound electronic. Yeah. So, and with some synth stuff, you know, like with yeah. bass and things and and drums, but primarily, the, like that was very much on purpose. Yeah. Music. This a question for both of you. Music plays a big part in significant other. Sure does. Like, yeah. S- songs that we are all familiar with. Um, I don't know. I'm just kind of curious what um, how it feels to play off of those songs. Um, for me, like the music really like takes me when I hear some of these songs, it takes me back to a certain time. It feels like wildly nostalgic for me um, and I never thought I would be in a play that I, I, I don't want to give anything away but I would never thought I'd be in a Broadway play that has some of these songs in it <laughs> uh, yeah, I, yeah I don't think these plays have ever made it to the great white these songs have ever made it to the yeah. great white way before no. so um, it just no so no. it's just really kind of nice to hear them in this way and it's very specific it's a, a specific group of people and it's a specific song that takes you back to a specific year or a time so I love that idea that music can kind of take you to that moment I still have those, not with songs in the show, but like, you know, if I hear a certain song, there's a song by Bob Sinclair called Love Generation that was like very big in one particular.
particular spring break when I was in school, and if I hear it, like, I'm instantly in Acapulco, like, immediately. <laughs> or if I hear, you know, Everly Brothers' um, dream, it, like, instantly takes me to when I was six years old and my dad started teaching me about harmony. Like, I just have those mm. moments that will take me to those kind of things. And I think the music in this show specifically does that, at least for me. But I think based on the audience's reaction, I think they're having the same experience. Well, and now having had two two years with this play and with these songs involved in them, I have a, a visceral reaction to these songs that I never thought I would. You know, particularly the last song. It's like, it's, it's deep, you know. But when I first heard it, I was like, uh, you know. It, it seems like fluff. Yeah, it wasn't necessarily yeah. my reaction to it. You know, it's interesting how that is working on us, you know. Totally. Yeah, there's a, definitely a musical element to the show yeah, and a dance element. We've been really lucky with our audiences. They have been so um, giving. Yeah. yeah, and completely different every night, which is interesting. I mean, I think it it's, just depends on the energy of people you have in that room and, like, where they come from. And it's, I think it speaks to the play that people can react to different moments of it in their own own way. Yeah, without giving too much. This is not giving anything away because this is how the show starts. But, like, it does start with the Rihanna-Whitney Houston mashup. So, like, right. do with that what you will. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Come on down to the booth. <laughs> <laughs> booth of the booth. <laughs> A lot of my listeners are, um, like, young, up-and-coming theater performers and college kids and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, if you could give any kind of advice to these people, you know, you've both... Um, I would consider you both very like success stories, um, making your Broadway debuts and having found, you know, passion and art and success in all these other different ways. Um, I guess what would what do you wish you would have told yourself when you were like twenty one, twenty two? Um, I definitely have that answer because I thought about this. Uh, so I graduated school and kind of expected things to happen for me, if I'm being perfectly honest. I was like, I feel like I'm talented and like I'm going to work at work. And I think that was a really dangerous mentality. Um, and I happened to like leave school. My year was like the year at Michigan that started kind of like the YouTube um, I grew my best my writing partner is a guy named Jake Wilson and he started a web series right out of school called The Batteries Down and I then the I Batteries Down oh so that's yeah. so Jake is my partner oh my god amazing um, and uh, uh, he's not my hu- he's kind of my husband but he's not my <laughs> actual husband um, and then I was also at school Andrew Keenan Bolger who was putting a lot of things online at the time so that was my year and I remember you know I, I do think at this point. Most of you have, whoever's listening, you guys have video cameras. You, you you have a facility to tape yourself using your phone or anything around you. So I really am a huge believer in creating your own work. Even if nobody sees it and you put it up on something and that's what it is, like just start writing stuff for yourself or if you don't feel like you're a great writer but you know you want to act and there's somebody who you went to school with or was in you grew up with who is really good with the camera or is a great writer like partner up with those people um I think I wish I started doing material for myself way earlier than 26 even though that still is early I wish I did it at 19 and I think you'd now have no excuse but not to because someone there's 10 people behind you who are going to so do with that what you will well and even you know the, uh, there's the obvious practice of just practicing your craft and doing that, but like you know the 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 goal I think you know well it, um, you know this is coming from somebody we were on we're on Broadway and that's great, but the goal should always be just to be better to get better you know and to to practice and like if you're waiting if if you find yourself just waiting for that opportunity it's like well that's that's not an active pursuit of of the job, you know, and so and it it comes in different varying ways. And for you know, well, I've been 
doing other things outside of acting, they all influence who I am as an actor, as a person, you know. Um, and the more I think that becomes your mentality about, about mentality about the practice of it, the more patient you'll be about when they come, and more ready you'll be for the opportunities when they're there. Yeah, you know? I read. I once read an article. Um, with Lena Dunham in Rolling Stone that really kind of stuck with me and I went in for girls and like I really thought that I was going to get it. I did not get it. Um, just, I'm not in girls. And uh, I really thought I was going to and I was so disappointed when I didn't and I remember reading an article in Rolling Stone where somebody kind of said like do you think there is something with – a lot of the leads in your show do have famous parents. Like was that a specific thing? Do you think that had anything to do with it? And she was like no. None of these women got the role because of their parents which I believe. She said however I do think if like I could abstractly look at it, they didn't walk – them not walking in the room with this pick me mentality – you could feel as somebody mm-hmm. on the other side of the table and that really stuck with me because even when you're dating somebody or you're going you know you're having a job interview when you feel that over eagerness from somebody else not being a cool cucumber but kind of that desperation it's not attractive mm-hmm. um, in any situation and I can imagine it's not attractive to a casting director or producers or writers or whoever that is so that did stick with me and I do think having your own creative um, pursuit on the side will help you not walk in there with that pick me mentality for every you can relax into each yeah. audition a little bit more it makes you feel ownership of what yeah. you do and that's what people want they want to see somebody who's like okay he knows he or she knows what they're doing and I don't have to worry about, you know, hand, holding their hand through You're a process. so – my best friend yeah. is a casting director from college and she would always tell me like the casting director – like they want you – they want you to be the one that nails the part. Like so everyone's on your side. Yeah. So just I think walking in with that kind of relaxed confidence but also, you know, ready to take notes and be receptive to things is the kind of perfect balance rather than I need this oh, – God, I hope I get it. My last question. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't always appreciate when people are like, so what are you working on next? Um, that's that always kind of freaks me out as an artist. Um, you can tell me what you're, else you're working on, or and or um, what you'd like to put out there for yourself. Like put like you know I'm a strong, a somewhat strong believer in like the secret and like saying totally. saying saying what you want. Hmm. And so um, I'm just kind of curious. Like, what are you working on? What would you like to work on? What are your you go. Okay. Yeah, so uh, right now I'm working on Significant Other. Yeah, That's kind of the – Yeah, did you know about that? No. That's why we're here, right? <laughs> yeah, it's playing at the booth. Um, but, you know, alongside of that I perform with Shirley House at the McKittrick. We're playing on the 5th of March and the 19th of March, and they, those are uh, pretty sh- – I think they're either ticketed they, – if they're ticketed, they're, I think they're free or, or on the cheap. So check it out. Um and uh, to, it, for my secret, I think I'd, I'd like to get more involved in some kind of film work in the future. You know, so I'm going to put that out there. Nice. For, front of the camera, behind the camera. Oh, in front, Jason. always in front. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> behind, maybe down the line, but you know. Um, I am also obviously working on Significant Other for the foreseeable future, hopefully. Um, but I um, – yeah, knocking on wood, knocking on wood. Uh, but I am um, currently my partner, Jake, my writing partner, Jake Wilson, and I are working on a few different television shows. Um, one we shot a pilot of, so we're kind of waiting to see what happens with that. And another one we're going to start pitching soon. Um you know, you always have to have something going because, like, you never know. I like to have, like, a thousand irons in the fire because I don't know which one's going to go out. And um, we will start writing our next feature. We haven't done that since Are You Joking, which was our first movie we did together. And so I think now, a few years later, we're ready to get back into that. But we've been doing the TV thing for a little bit. So that is what's up next. I don't know how they will pan out. Who knows? And it always looks different than what I think it's going to be. 
<laughs> but that is, you know, the hope. I would love to also do other plays too. I love doing plays. Yeah. Who knew? Love it. Me too. Well, you're both terrific and significant. Oh, thank Thanks you so much. Seriously, we had a wonderful time, and I've been telling everyone to go. Like, Please I, do. I, I want to take my fiance and go back and awesome. like then have more conversations about it. Yeah. Great. Tweet about it. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm tweeting. I think I'm following you on Instagram. Look at that. I'm obsessed with. All right. Yeah. I'm obsessed with tweeting and Instagram. Yeah. I'm obsessed with following that. So keep on going. <laughs> I certainly will. Thank you for yeah, doing this. We're really excited yeah. to get people thank to. You. We, we want to. You know, it's um, there's so many of us who there's a few of us who are making our debuts, and it is kind of a it's a rarity for what's happening right now in the cast to be happening um, in a new American play on Broadway. Indeed. So we would love for the word to be spread. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know? I will. I will do my best. Thank Tell you. It's yeah. all up to you. It's on. <laughs> yes. That's what Alana said. Yes. She's like so. If it's not you, <laughs> then we're screwed. <laughs> Excellent. Well, um, thank you both so much for dropping by. Thank you. Um, thank you. At the Dramatist Guild, uh, this is Joel B. New and Sass Goldberg and Luke Smith saying thank you for dropping by for something new. I do. Hello again, dear listeners. I hope you enjoyed my chat with significant others Sass Goldberg and Luke Smith, as well as New Corner with Season 3's Grace McLean. Now it's time to set up the song. This episode, I enlisted my good friends Jason Pintar and Mike Petrie to help me bring this one to life. The assignment I gave myself was to write something very loosely inspired by significant other. I don't think I'm giving anything away when I say that the main character of Joshua Harmon's play is a gay man in his late 20s whose slightly neurotic tendencies make a love life difficult. Not only have I known that person in real life, I have at least once or twice been that person myself. So I took that kernel, ran with it in my own direction, and now I present to you Crazy Song performed by Jason Pintar, featuring Mike Petrie on guitar. Enjoy! I ain't the type to rush into things, but the way you do things to me And I'm all wired Have you gotten tired of me? I am texting You're not texting So I'm texting again Send Not to be intrusive Why are you so elusive? It's downright abusive This ain't how a boyfriend acts when it's love, you free it. When it ain't, so be it. But this is love, can't you see it? It's like you've got cataracts. Don't you know I'm crazy for you? Crazy for you. Memorize your voicemail greeting. You're already cheating on me. Don't make me track your phone to find you Who's that guy behind you? It's me I 
I'm just kidding that I'm kidding that's me kidding again ah, not to be intrusive why are you so elusive it's downright abusive this ain't how a boyfriend acts when it's love you free it when it ain't so be it but this is love can you see it it's like you've got cataracts don't you know I'm crazy Crazy for you I should probably hate you But I don't use the word hate If you're not careful I'll cancel our first date Probably not Not to be intrusive Why are you so elusive? It's downright abusive this ain't how a boyfriend acts When it's love you free it When it ain't so be it But this is love, can't you see it? It's like you've got cataracts Don't you know I'm crazy For you Crazy For you Don't you know I'm crazy Yeah.